And now, it's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno. All right, Tri-State Sports Beat, back at it. I know we're a little late, we're a day late, but hey, that's all right. We had to do what we got to do. I had a late tea time last night. By the time I got home, it was freaking 1030. I'm sorry, but it had to wait. Welcome back, everybody. 1030? We got home at 1030 because we had to eat dinner, of what course. Is, we, were, oh. we were hungry boys. We had to eat dinner, of course. Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Just Nick and Scott here today because we are mostly baseball because baseball is indeed back. We're excited about it. So, Joe, we gave Joe the day off today because uh, a lot of baseball talk today. Scott, pal, how you doing? Fantastic. You are know, you? I wish I was out on the golf course with you yesterday, I, I but, uh, you know, we're uh, we're uh, we're hanging in there here. I, I do too, pal. But uh, hopefully hopefully soon we'll, we'll be able to uh, hit the links together as, uh, you know, plan a little trip. Plan a little trip, and uh, we're excited for it. Um, so I said, as I said, baseball is back, and we've been waiting a long time for it. Scott and I, it's probably our—I'll speak for myself. It's my second favorite sport besides football. Uh, Scott, I know you're more—I know you more—you're probably more into hockey than I am. But uh, baseball season special. Baseball season is very there's, special. Yeah, there's something about baseball season. It's like you're—I'm very into it now, just because you know you go so long without it, and then you. Uh, you know, you, it comes back, you're into it for the first month or two. And then in the summer, you know, you kind of, you know, you go into a lull. Um, and then obviously October comes and uh, you're right back into it. But um, yeah, you know, we get lucky rooting for a team that, you know, normally wins a lot. Um, and then we uh, get pissed off in October. So hopefully uh, we can end that uh, streak this season. Hopefully we can. But you know what's funny about how the Yankees started the year? was basically a carbon copy of what we've been seeing in October, and especially last October or, or September, whatever, against the Tampa Bay Rays, as the Yankees are kind of picking up where they left off to begin the year with not being able to hit with runners in scoring position. Now, this is before last night, you know, their win against the Rays to salvage a win there instead of getting swept in Tampa Bay at the trop at that garbage Ugh. can. That place is a freaking it is a dump. dump. Did you you did you see Gio Rochella's home run yesterday? Went dead bomb. dead yeah bomb. But did you see the debris come off? Yeah, what did, what did he break? I have no idea. I saw the it debris. hit. I saw it hit. I'm like, is it snowing there in Tampa? Is there snow <laughs> coming down from the roof? Yeah, I don't know what the heck he hit, but that was a freaking bomb. It was. It was a very good bomb in the Yankees' uh, victory yesterday against the against the Rays. But of course, this is before. That win yesterday, the Yankees were 13 for 60 with runners in scoring position. And, Scott, 62 men left on base in their first eight games. Leaving runners on the base pads. Horrendous. You know how much open opportunity that is? You know, the Yankees, when we're we're looking at the schedule, losing two out of three to the Blue Jays to start the year, and, of course, bouncing back against Baltimore. But runs have been left on the board so many times. And, you know, when, you know, I was on with Billy and uh, and Max, you know, before or coming up in the podcast actually, but we recorded previously recorded it obviously. But we know we know the Mets have their issues with runners in scoring position, but the Yankees are basically the same thing. And you know, I want to go back to Game One for a second against the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, and it, it's happened on two occasions for the Yankees. The fans want to complain about the whole runner on second extra innings thing. I, fans, I'm with you. We're with you. The runner on second is stupid. I completely understand this. It's dumb, but if the Yankees score some runs, we don't have to be in that position, right? You don't have to put yourself in that position. 
And the other thing is, is that this all-or-nothing kind of home run or strikeout narrative that the Yankees are so used to with all these big bats like Judge, Stanton, Voight when he's healthy, and whoever else, is finally, I think, starting to finally catch up to them. And it's not a good sign. Now, of course, talking about before the, before the game yesterday, but these concerns are still a thing as the Yankees are currently sitting at 4-5, and five, not where we thought they would be at this point in the season, nine games in. But, of course, Giancarlo Stanton, I have to start off with him because he's basically public enemy number one for me right now. Like, great. The guy blew open game one against the, against the Orioles in the 7 nothing, uh, 7 nothing win and hit the grand slam and basically put the game away. That's great. That's, that's what the Yankees are paying him for. But the guy's batting 188. After, you know, before yesterday, 6-for-29 with 8 strikeouts. And the guy can only hit the freaking ball when it's down Broadway. God forbid, you know, he gets some curveball, some off-speed pitches in there, and it's a complete freaking whiff. This guy cannot hit off-speed pitches to save his life. But you know what? I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to spend so much time complaining because it's the same old freaking story with Giancarlo Stan. And there's other problems to be had. But, again... This is a guy that have that fans have been watching out for and that we expect Giancarlo Stanton to be performing. This is what this is what the Yankees traded for. They traded for an MVP candidate and he's got a 260 lifetime average with the Yankees. How how can we just kind of push this off to the side? I know he's getting booze and whatnot, but and and we want to talk about other things. Aaron Hicks batting third and all that stuff we'll get to. Judge being hurt, you know, Glaber's defense which we'll talk about. But Giancarlo Stanton is just as much to blame for the lack of offense than anybody on this team. Uh, what do you think? I mean, bouncing off that Giancarlo thing a second, I don't think a 260 average is all that bad. I mean, yeah, well, you want to be closer to 300. Right, but, right. You know, 250, 260, I think it, you know, is all right. Uh, it's the strikeouts that, you know, are the problem with him. Um, listen, I'm going to start with the whole judge thing. And, you know, I. I think I was vocal after last uh, last playoffs that, you know, I think it might be time to move on from Aaron Judge. Granted, he's had a very good start to the season other than the freaking wear and tear after five games, but he's hitting above 300 when he actually does uh, play the sport. Um, but I'll save my proposal that um, we'll have to get some Mets fans' uh, opinion on uh, at a later time, but I'll save that for the end of our Yankee segment. Wow. But uh, – yeah, I mean, listen, this bullpen right now is one of the best in baseball. Like, they're, like, locked down bullpen right now. Um, yeah, the problem is, that, like like you said, it's the same old, same old with this team right now. They can't, you know, clutch hit. Um, I mean, Clint Frazier hasn't had the greatest of start. I think he's hitting, like, 200 right now. Um, and now Yankee fans are freaking out again that Brett Gardner's playing, even though he's hitting about 350. Um over Clint Frazier, who's hitting 200 right now. Like, listen, he got a day off. Like, let's let's chill out. I mean, if Brett Gardner's hitting the ball, wouldn't you rather have production production right now? Because Yankee fans are already ready, already ready to like you know jump off the ledge here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I saw a tweet the other day that the Yankees started under 500 in the first like 20 games of the season in um uh in Aaron Boone's first year in charge and Aaron Boone's second year in charge, and they both won 100 games that season. So. You know, once the summer rolls around, once even May rolls around, I think this team will start to get steam at the plate. Um, 
And I'm also a believer, too, that in the beginning of the year, the pitchers are always going to have the advantage. You know, batters have to get into a groove. They have to start hitting the ball, um, you know, seeing the ball better and stuff like that. Listen, I'm not as as infuriating as it is watching them right now. I'm not, you know, jumping off the ledge yet because it is only nine games. They're four and five. The Yankees never win in Tampa. So, like, yeah, we want that to change. But the Yankees in the past however many seasons can't win in Tropicana Field. It's just a fact. um, Again, on the race thing, Kevin Cash, again, complaining that Jordan Montgomery threw at whatever batter that was yesterday. I mean, I don't think he intentionally threw at them, but there's always going to be something brewing there just because of the – history that has been between these two teams ever per, probably ever since the cc sabathia thing yeah like that season where Austin romine got hit a couple times and um you know all that stuff it was, but, austin, uh, it was austin meadows right was it austin no, meadows? Romine, romine got hit like in that season a couple times by the race yeah like, i know i know that but i'm talking about montgomery i think montgomery's oh austin meadows yeah i don't remember which battery he hit but uh it could have been meadows but um yeah, listen, I, I'm not ready to jump off the ledge yet. Um, I'm glad Domingo Herman was sent down because he's yeah, a terrific. Hopefully horrific. they bring up – I mean, they're going to roll with five guys now and just have Tyone on a five-day cycle, but yeah. I want to see Davey Garcia up here at some point, give him a chance. Um, Even and, Mike King, I think, after he – you know, that those that sixth inning after the first Herman star, you know, he showed some promise too, but he's he's been sent down too. So that's another guy. Well, that was, just, that was just unfortunate because, you know, yeah. you – you can't really sit on a guy because he needs like three days of rest after he throws right. six innings. And he was brilliant that day. It was great. It was just unfortunate that he, you know, you need that extra pitcher. You pitch great and you're, you're sent down. But uh, yeah, I think this, this series against the blue Jays here, I think if the Yankees can take two out of three, that's a good start to start to get rolling here. Um, but yeah, the, the bats need to start coming alive. And uh, I, I guess let's move into fielding and, Again, the the fact that Claybor Torres is just not a shortstop is um is starting to become a real concern because that throw the other night that granted if Luke Voigt was playing maybe Probably he picks that because yep. Jay Bruce is freaking horrific. I hope he we well, never to, see him to, play to his, to his you know I'll defend him a little bit. He's not a he's not a first baseman. I know, he's and not. it was it wasn't a good throw by Claybor by any means. No, no, but no. An, a, a legitimate first baseman might actually pick that. Um. But again, Jay Bruce is like what three for twenty-seven to start yeah, the season. He is horrible. He's batting, one, he's batting, one, he's batting one eleven. It's just the Yankees uh, yeah. at this point can't afford to have uh, their first baseman and you know to to be batting like that. But you know, yeah, piggybacking on the Glaber thing, and you said you said which is funny, like Glaber's just not a shortstop, but like the guy has come up as a shortstop. Yeah. So this so this shouldn't be a problem. It's either, you know, it's either one of a couple things. He can't field balls cleanly, or he's just rushing the throws. I just, I, I don't get it. But And, yeah, the Yankees, you know, can't hit in extra innings in that, ga- in that game you're talking about against the Orioles, but that throwing error in the 10th inning, is that that's what changed the game. Like, that whole thing mm-hmm. just changed the whole momentum of the game. Granted, they scored, uh, you know, in the bottom of the 10th, and then they went to the 11th, and then they just couldn't get it done. But... The funny thing about Glaber is that everyone's talking about how he's not a shortstop. The guy was brought up as a shortstop. He's just not performing. I can and for the life of me, I can't understand why he's struggling. But and the funny part is too, he's all the Yan- like he's all the Yankees have right now. Like who are you plugging in to play shortstop? Like DJ LeMay who can play all the positions in the infield. But 
with all the options that they have right now, which aren't many, you're really going to think about playing DJ LeMay who had shortstop? I don't think that's even an option at this point. You know, Glaber's... Oh, he needs to... He needs to play first over Jay Bruce. Has to. Has, or, you know, at third base when Gio, when Gio Rochella was missing some time because of the COVID shot stuff, he had to play third base and had and had to pick up there. So DJ LeMay, who's kind of the do-everything guy for the Yankees, as we know. But then I saw this stupid article by Joel Sherman that that the Yankees should trade Glaber Torres for Trevor Story. Are you kidding me? Ugh. Are you kidding me? Listen, Trevor Story is a very good shortstop, but my problem is... Do we not? Does he not know Trevor Story is going to be a free agent next year? At the end of the year, yeah. read the room, Joel Sherman. Like the Yankees aren't going to trade for a guy that they might have a chance to sign in for in free agency, and they shouldn't give up on Glaber Torres, who's got what three or four more years of team control on him. It's ridiculous to me. I'm not ready. I'm not ready to throw Glaber to the side yet. I'm just not like he. And he got a big hit yesterday in the win, and you know, and he didn't do anything to screw up, but. Why are we so ready to just give up everything? The Yankees are four and five. Like it is, it is the beginning of the year. I know we have some complaints about this stuff, but come on already. We're nine games in. I, I just, I don't know, dude. I, are, you're, are you not? Are you ready to give up on Glaber yet? Or I, I'm just not. I just, can't, I can't yet. No, I think there's an easy solution here. Is unfortunately, I, I think you know, there's a lot of good shortstops out there in free agency this year upcoming. You have Corey Seager. Which, you know, the Dodgers, they just splash cash left and right. right. So they'll probably re-sign him. But, you know, there's Trevor Story out there, a very good young player who, you know, the, the questions arise, is he only a Colorado, you know, hitter? But, um, I you know, I haven't looked at the splits or whatever to see if that's a legitimate argument or not. But the, the, the easy solution here is to, unfortunately, give up on, or not give up, trade Luke Voigt so he doesn't play first base anymore or keep him, but just, I mean, you'd probably have to trade him because there's no point in keeping him on the bench. Um, move DJ over to first, play Glaber at second, sign a new shortstop for third, and then play Gio at, uh, at I mean, sign a shortstop for uh, shortstop and then play Gio at third base. Mm-hmm. So um, that's, I think, the easiest solution here. But, you know, I... I think, you know, if Glaber continues to struggle this season, I, I just don't see how you can keep trotting him out there long-term at shortstop. I just don't see how you can do it. That's interesting that you bring that scenario up because as people will hear after this segment when we talk about the Mets, when I talk about the Mets with Billy and Max, Billy brought up the point of maybe doing the exact opposite and trading Gio Urshela instead of Luke Voigt. So it's basically the same situation you have, but – trading Gio Rochelle away and keeping Luke Voigt. Billy, Billy's thing was, if I remember correctly, that um, that Luke Voigt has just kind of come into his own and, he, you know, he's a power hitter and, and all that good stuff, which the Yankees already have a lot of, but and they need defense. So I, I asked him that. And I'm like, it's in, I, well, I didn't ask him, but I, I was like, it's interesting that you have that viewpoint because the Yankees do need defense, and Gio Rochella is probably their best defensive infielder. Yeah, and, and you know, not just talking about defense – like if you take Luke Voigt out of the out of the lineup, that's one less. I mean, Luke Voigt does hit for or did hit for a little a decent average. Like he, but he's another Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stan type, where it's you know, home run or bust. Like mm-hmm. he's not gonna you know hit for a decent average. If you bring in like a Trevor Story or Corey Seager, or even just someone who can hit for average, 
that kind of, you know, it doesn't fully change the lineup, but it gives you that other, you know, guy who, who can get on base, uh, you know, actually hit the ball. I mean, Aaron Hicks is a high base, high on base percentage, but he can't hit the ball worth a lick. Um, you know, it gives a different dimension to this lineup, but again, let's, let's give it this year. Let's see if Glaber can figure it out. But I, I think the shortstop thing is also kind of hurting his offense because he has to think about so much, you know, playing shortstop that he can't focus as much time at the plate. You know, I think he's a better offensive player at second base as well, which you saw two seasons ago when he was a full-time second baseman with Didi at shortstop. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you there. And then I don't mean, I don't, we don't mean to kill Gary Sanchez. He's had a really good uh, start to the season offensively, but Again, the the thing is with Gary is that defensively too is you know the bat's fine you know through through nine games, but defensively you kind of still hold your breath like you do with Glaber Torres, and you know Gary throws one guy out in opening day at second base and we're like oh Gary's back here we go let's get it and then he hits a home run in two of the you know the first two games against the Blue Jays, but Gary's still erratic behind the plate you know throwing behind the plate and. Throwing it short again at first base to, you know, Jay Bruce had no chance at scooping that. No first baseman has a chance at scooping that ball that Gary just completely shortchanged. But um, to be honest with you, like, it's it's 50-50 right now with Gary. Said the defense still stinks. It's still a liability. But as long as Gary's hitting the ball and, and the Yankees can continue to put up runs as, as they haven't been able to do the first couple first couple series of this season, then uh, then I can't really complain. Yeah, I mean he's hit he's hitting right around three hundred, which yeah. if when we came into the season we didn't think that was anywhere near a possibility. So, you know, let's just hope that he doesn't hit any sort of lull anytime soon. I mean, it's unrealistic to think he's gonna hit three hundred for the entire season. Oh sure. But um yeah, I mean he's been a pleasant surprise to start. I, I I'm still not the biggest Gary Sanchez fan, but uh, you know, let's let's hope he can keep it rolling because yeah. that's you know He's also not just hitting for power. Like, he's not really hitting for that much power. He only has two home runs. He's, you know, actually hitting, you know, putting the ball in play. So, um, I'm not sure how many strikeouts he has so far this season. But, you know, when you're hitting 318, something's got to be going right. Gary has. He has struck out five times so far. Hey, it's not ten in, times like in Stanton. 27 at best. And he's, he's hitting 296. Sorry. But he has an OPS of 962, which is the uh, – the highest on the team so far. So we can't really complain yet on Gary Sanchez. So let, let's put that. No, I mean, let's put that to bed. Labor right. struck out eleven times. Giancarlo ten. Gary hasn't. Gary is uh, tied for uh, eighth most strikeouts. Aaron Hicks is one. Aaron Hicks and Glaber are tied at one for uh, with eleven. Um, Clint Frazier struck out eight. Jay Bruce and Giancarlo struck out ten times. Aaron Judge and Geo seven, and then Brett Gardner and Gary Sanchez five times. So listen, it's a team that strikes out a lot. Like this isn't anything surprising to us, but you know, it's, no, it's still Gary only if Gary can only strike out five. Uh, what did I say? Five times in almost thirty at bats. Like that's fantastic. Yep, absolutely. That's like night and day compared to last year. So let's transition a little bit to pitching. You know, Garrett Cole is Garrett Cole. I mean, uh, what do we expect from him? I mean, he was fantastic. He was he wasn't up to par that first start against the Blue Jays, and then against the Orioles, he just mowed him down. He was just fantastic at 13 strikeouts. He was awesome. But Corey Kluber, Tyone, and the middle, you know, Montgomery and Herman, obviously. 
Uh, Kluber to start was kind of like has been up and down. Like a routine first start against the Blue Jays in Game Two was was fine, you know. And then he gets shelled in Game One for five runs against the Rays. You know, the the recipe for disaster is the Yankees at Tropicana Field. So I mean, you know, Kl- uh, what did we really expect from Kluber? Uh, we just kind of expected him. We didn't expect him to be great. We expected him to be serviceable. Same thing. I think the same thing could go for Jamison Tyone, having not pitched in two years, but. I can't be mad about what I've seen from Kluber. Tyone, on the other hand, too, you know, for his first start in two years, probably as predicted, Montgomery's been good, too. Like, Tyone gave up the two home runs. Outside of that, looked fine. And then I'm not really worried about him at all, to be honest with you. Yeah, uh, I thought he, I thought it was a good outing for, he was. you know, for a guy who hasn't pitched very much and has gone through what he's gone through. So um, if you we can get that, you know, in, in an extended outing, uh, I mean, we'll sign up for that right now. Obviously, he's going to have his blow-up starts of, like, every pitcher other than, like, Garrett Cole and DeGrom yeah. are going to, you know, have outings like that. But, you know, uh, you mentioned Jordan Montgomery. I thought he's been a pleasant surprise so far, too. He's, uh, his first start was really good. pretty well. Six innings yeah. in his first start. Yep. Um, yesterday, he pitched – he, he uh, gave up, I think, like, four runs. But, again, Tropicana Field, like, we, I feel like we have to stop making this excuse of, oh, it's Tropicana Field and that BS, but, like – I don't know what it is, but the Yankees literally can't win there. I, I don't understand it. No, they can't. And then, of course, Domingo Herman. Uh, you know, through two starts, I, I had it. You know, that's all, that's all I needed to see from Domingo Herman. Uh, pathetic in that start against the Rays where the, the ball just, you know, it looks like he's making no effort. Like, the ball just ricochets off his glove, and he's like, nah, 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 nah. Like, Domingo Herman was in no situation whatsoever to have two horrible starts to start the year. I've seen all I needed to see. I'm with you. You know, send them down. That's fine. If we want to, you know, if the Yankees want to roll with, um, you know, with the five with the five man or whatever they have, that's fine. But also, you bring up a guy like Michael King, like I did before, Davey Garcia. You know, the Yankees do have options, so I'm not really worried about that final fifth starter spot. So, Herman uh, has been just, you know, I'm surprised he's still on this roster ever after everything that happened with him and those two starts just did not help his case whatsoever. Like I didn't, I didn't, th- I didn't know what we were really gonna get with Herman, but I expect a little better than the, what than what we've gotten so far. Yeah, I mean, he had a really good spring. He's probably the best Yankee starting pitcher in spring training. But again, how much you know weight can you put on spring training? Probably, I guess not that much. So, um, I mean, I always go back to this, but Greg Bird hit like three hundred in spring training, and you know, Greg Bird, it's Greg Bird. So, um, yeah. I don't see him coming back too soon unless there's an injury. And I hope they would give Davey Garcia a chance before him again. So, yeah, I I don't know. I don't really know what to think about him. As good as he was two seasons ago, doesn't look like the same pitcher. What's your thoughts on this Rugnet Odor trade? Looks pretty good after yesterday. (laughs) I mean, it can't hurt. Like, um, we're literally paying him the veteran minimum because we have to, but the Rangers are paying pretty much his entire salary. We gave up two prospects that I've never even heard of before. Um, it literally can't hurt. Like, you know, he, he puts in a, a really good RBI single yesterday to score a run in the 10th inning. Um, or maybe it was even two runs, but uh, yeah, he had a big hit yesterday. This is like no risk, no risk, high reward. Mm-hmm. If they can figure out, cause like if you if you remember, he was a good player like two two three seasons ago. Sure, he just I don't know what happened to him. If you know Texas just ruined him or what, but 
he was a productive player a couple seasons ago. If the Yankees can even tap, you know, and tap into half of that, they'll be, you know, th- this trade will look fantastic. And they have like two more years of control on him. Like he'll be around, I think, for an- like at least another year. And for the most part, too, you're acquiring a guy like that because he's a lefty bat. Like, that's all it is. That's that's really all Absolutely. it is. You'd rather take Ruben Odor's lefty bat, who's already contributed more than Jay Bruce has. Yeah. But uh, Yankees really, I mean, the Yankee situation with Jay Bruce, like the the whole thing with him having to choose, you know, him ha- them having to choose, and then they really had no choice with Jay Bruce, and obviously he hasn't freaking paid off. But, uh, yeah. you know, the timetable on Luke Voigt, does, any, does anybody know what's going on there? Like May, mid-May. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think at this point? Do you think at this point they really need him? Like they really, really need him back? Or like, like obviously it would only help, but um, I don't know. Do you think I mean, he's I, the starting? I kind of want to. I kind of want to see what this infield can do. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if Runet Odor can play shortstop, but I'd really love to. see I don't see think he ever them. has. Not in the majors, at least. Yeah. I don't think he has. So, unfortunately, I would really like to see them move Glaber to second and put someone at third at shortstop for the time being, just to see if it would, you know, untap some potential. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm kind of curious to see what this infield's going to be like mm-hmm. with DJ playing first, and um, you know, let's just see how it rolls yeah. because anything's better than Jay Bruce at this point. He yeah. is, like I said, freaking horrendous. All right, so no panic button yet, right? No panic. No, button. it's nine games yeah, and 162. Exactly. Like if this continues until like mid May, then yeah, maybe it's time to panic. But they've played nine games. Um, again, they're coming off a season that, that no one's ever seen before. Um, I, I don't really. The bullpen's been fantastic, and yeah. they don't even have Britain right now. And Chapman's, you know, was out for the first two games, but he's. I think the first. He might be the first Yankee reliever I saw. I saw he's the first Yankee reliever to um, give up no runs and strike out all three batters he's faced in th- his first three relief appearances. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I saw. Yeah. So, yeah, the bullpen's fantastic. If the starting pit, like Kluber, just step up a little bit. Um, and, uh, yeah, obviously the big the big talking point is the what it's been for the past however many years in the playoffs is can this lineup get clutch hits. Yeah, yeah I'm with you. No, uh, no panic button. Yeah, you can't panic. It's nine games into this season, so it is what it is. What it is right now, but you know, hopefully they get off better off the ground here, and uh, we'll see what happens. Still optimistic. No, optimistic. I mean, this is a good team. Like, like we know this is a good team. So I think yeah. they're they're gonna be just fine. They do play. Uh, their game didn't get postponed tonight. I know a couple games did get postponed as to what's going on in Minneapolis right now, unfortunately, but. Um, the Mets didn't play. The Mets, yes, the Mets didn't play yesterday the, or today. They're not playing. Yeah. Um, so. Speaking of the Mets, this is my this is yes, my uh, um, scenario. Sure. Prediction. <laughs> yeah, not prediction. Scenario. This is when obviously I'm still on the. We need to move on from Judge. Like, it's he's not worth a, a major contract at this point because, you know, he can't stay on the field. He can maybe he can produce on the field when he's on the field, but if he can only play 120 games a season and he's going to need to sit out every after every five games for three days because of wear and tear, mm. we, like it's not worth it. So, um, a certain right fielder for the Mets is a free agent. I knew where this was going this this coming year. Uh, I know I know he has not been good so far this season. No, it's been he, terrible. Obviously, the hit by pitch thing is not great. 
he still hasn't faced the Marlins, so we'll never we'll we'll <laughs> never know if he's going to get plunked or not. Yeah. So, um, but obviously he has not been good. But I think Michael Conforto could slide into this Yankees lineup and mash the the lefty bat with the short porch and right. Like I think Yankee Stadium could be perfect for him. Obviously the Yankees could use more left handed uh, left handed hitting. Um, obviously he has played center field before. Yeah. I know they're tied into Aaron Hicks for a long time, but if Aaron Hicks continues to hit about 150, I'm freaking done with him too. Yeah, I'm with you. He sucks. Mm. Like, I don't care. Like, obviously, if he gets on base a lot, great. Make him the leadoff hitter then. Or make or make him the ninth hitter to have two leadoff hitters. Yeah, like he doesn't need to be batting third. Does not. No, no, not at all. Not at all. But um. Aaron Boone's like, oh, we gotta, we gotta s- split up the righties, the the freaking shit ton of righties we have. Like, uh, it's, uh, I, I'm done with him. I'm done. With, I, I'm, I'm fully on board for a full outfield rebuild, minus getting rid of Clint. Keep yeah. Clinton left, and let's build around the ret. Like, I'm tired of Judge having to sit out for 40, 50 games a season. I'm tired of seeing Aaron Hicks freaking swing through balls down the middle freaking i don't care if he freaking nukes home runs when he actually hits the ball like I'm, same thing I'm with john Car- that's the same exact argument with john carlos stan yeah but there's no getting out of that like right. no, no kidding. there's no getting out of his contract he's here for the long haul like you're gonna have to pay if gary continues to play like he is this year you're gonna have to pay gary you're gonna have they're not getting rid of glaber torres like no. they're they're just not like you're gonna have to pay glaber you're gonna have to play i mean this is kind of Clint's first real season in the majors, so I don't really even count last season, even though he was good. But let's see what Clint is. Maybe we'll have to pay him eventually. Like, I mean, obviously Jason Dominguez is supposed to be the next freaking Babe Ruth, Willie Mays, <laughs> like Mike, better than Mike Trout. Like, mm. let's 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 probably chill the brakes on that one. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think Michael Conforto could slide into this lineup and be sick and i i know we say this every year if the yankees don't get it done again is this the offseason that brian cashman and hal steinbrenner finally splashed the cash like what are we waiting like what are we waiting for at this point well i mean what, what's your definition of splash the cash sign a new shortstop move glaber to set sign either Corey seager or trevor story put him at shortstop yeah. but mike sign michael conforto put him in the outfield obviously this is you know there's no sense of he wants to come to the Yankees the Yankees are interested in him or whatever this is yeah. just my two cents on the situation the Met, the Mets will probably offer him a good contract and maybe he'll he'll probably stay there but you know th- this that would be my uh ideal scenario is sign Conforto um move on from Judge because I, I know he's the face of the franchise they have the freaking Judge's Chambers up there I'm sick and tired of him not being able to play it's it's a joke at this point. It's it's a joke. I would love that. I would love that, but I just think that the Mets and Conforto are gonna are getting a deal done. Like I just, I I don't know. It's I would love that. I really would, but I just don't see that realistically happening. Going from one New York team to the other. I mean, I I just feel like he belongs there with the Mets, and he's a priority. He's definitely a priority. Like they took they took care of Lindor. I think they're going to take like the the Mets aren't playing around anymore. You know they're going to splat. They're going to splash the cash and re-sign their own guys. I think that's a real priority for them. But 
believe me, I would I would love it just as much as you know you're enthusiastic about it. Believe me, I would. Um, it makes a ton of sense. Left-handed bat, the the short right port, right field porch. It makes sense. It makes a ton of sense. But I don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting point that you bring up, pal. Because you know our defin the Yankees' definition of splashing the cash is getting that one big free agent like a Garrett Cole, like a CC Sabathia back in the day, like a Giancarlo Stanton. And that's it. And that's it. You you hope that that one big free agent makes the biggest difference. But you're right. Uh, you know the the shortstop market we've seen in this in this upcoming free agency is very very enticing. And then you think about the future of Glaber Torres and his future at shortstop and and all these factors here that we have to think about. Unfortunately, if the Yankees don't get it done in October again, I don't know, man. This this again. We're we're analyzing this nine games into the season. A couple weeks from now, we could be. A complete 180. <laughs> cool. but let's see. But let's see how this plays out, and uh, we're hopeful. We're still hopeful. All right, so we will now transition to my previously recorded talk about the Mets with Billy and Max. So the next time you hear me and Scott, we will be talking about. But the impact of the Sam Darnold trade is very, very huge, and how we got and how the Jets got to this and all that stuff. So we'll talk about that. So enjoy our Mets talk with Max and Billy. All right, so to switch over to the other side of town, we're going to talk about the New York Mets. And joining me right now on the Zoom are the two probably craziest Mets fans that I know so far, the uh, CEO and the COO of Southside Productions and the two hosts of the Take a Pitch podcast, Max and Billy. And I gave you guys an intro song, so here you go. Guys, thank you for joining me, and I hope you guys aren't in a uh, in a horrible mood uh, this afternoon. But uh, what's going on, you guys? Same shit, different day, brother. <laughs> Glad to be on the pod. Thanks. I appreciate yeah, you guys. I appreciate you. you guys coming. Thanks on. for having me. Yeah, you guys are always welcome on, especially during especially during baseball season. So it don't, it's only fitting that I have you guys on as the Mets begin their season, their first five games of the year. Of course, it got off to a little bit of a rough start with the ten day layoff in Washington. wasn't able to play. But you know what? We bounce back, and that's all right. But these first five games, guys, uh, pretty much more the same as you guys would probably <laughs> probably say. Uh, we're going to start off with the obvious. They continue to do Jacob DeGrom so dirty. And yesterday, for me, was the absolute cap. Like, of course we'll start in Philadelphia, the first game of the year. Like, Luis Rojas pulling Jake... After 77 pitches in game one, only for the Mets to, you know, do what they do, as you guys know, and blow it and lose. But, you know, Ro- uh, Luis Rojas had this excuse that, you know, the 10-day layoff and the ups and downs stuff. So, Billy, you were a pitcher once a, a while ago. And I don't know if I don't know if you did any, like, uh, double duty. I don't know if you hit while you were pitching or, or anything like that. But the up-downs thing, uh, can, you ex- can you explain that to me and if that really freaking matters? Please, uh, or is he just making an no, excuse? Not really. Uh, it, it it depends. It's case to case. It's mm-hmm. person to person, really. In my in my opinion, at least. Um, <clears throat> you know, with the with the ten day layoff, it it makes sense just because ten days ago he had only thrown, I think it was eighty pitches. Mm-hmm. So to cap him at seventy seven, I think. Well, they were their top was going to be. What was it? 80, I think it was 80, 80, 80, 85, like I think. Yeah. Yeah. So for them, to, for them to cap it off at that is like, it's understandable. Like mm-hmm. I know where it's, I know where they're coming from, 
but he definitely he definitely could have gotten another inning, in my opinion, at least. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he would have been fine. But in Philly, he also had to work a lot harder because Brian Onora behind the plate was god awful, dude. He was all over the place in in game one. In game one. Yes, no, I agree, but yeah. but I mean, seventy-seven pitches through six innings is very good. Uh, that is that is yeah, no, it is pitching. it is. But if you if your cap is at eighty-five and you want to get the most out of your ace, yeah. it's a, it, the frustrating thing for me was like this whole thing seemed to be already predetermined. Like they were going to take him out after a certain amount of time, yes. but like guys. It, this frustrate, and I'm not even a Met fan, as you guys know, but this frustrates me to no end. Like Jacob Degrom's the best pitcher in the game, and I'm okay with saying that. I'm okay with saying that Garrett Cole is number two in the city in baseball. I don't care. Jacob Degrom is the best. A pitcher louder in the for game. people in the back. Jacob Degrom is the best pitcher in the game. Like, haven't we learned? Like, hasn't Luis Rojas? Hasn't Sandy Alderson? Have and Steve Cohen's only been around a little while, but I assume he watches baseball because he's been a Mets fan forever. He knows Jacob Degrom. Mm-hmm. They all know Jacob Degrom is the best pitcher in the game. But what's yeah. most annoying to me is that Jake kind of goes along with it. Now, does he really have a choice? That's to be determined. But sometimes I wish Jacob DeGrom would just put his nuts on the table and say, hey, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to go pitch the eight, the seventh or eighth inning, whichever one it was. Because let's say he does that, right? And Castro did okay in the seventh inning. He did, he did his job in the seventh inning, right? But if Jake yeah, goes out, yeah. But if Jake goes out there for another inning, maybe that whole Trevor May disaster doesn't happen, and then Aaron Loop isn't forced to, you know, go in, you know, with the bases loaded with one out. So, I don't know who you can really blame this situation. I want to know your guys' opinion. I think it kind of goes all around. I don't know if if Jake has that power, but it seems like he should have that power to just say, hey, I'm staying out for another inning. I don't care. It's it's my – he's the best pitcher in in baseball, guys. It's Mm – I just – I think he should have that power to do that. Max, give your thought. Uh, yeah, as I say, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, DeGrom should have that power, no doubt. Mm-hmm. He should be able to say, you know, hey, give me the ball. I want the ball. Like any any great players that want the ball at the end of the day. And if Matt Harvey can talk his way into a World Series game, you know, why can't Jacob DeGrom talk his way to a seventh inning of an opening day game? Mm-hmm. It's, I get it. I get the 10-day 10, 10 layoff. I get all that. But at the end of the day, it's also game one. You know, you don't want to burn yourself out early, especially when you are the best pitcher on the planet, when you are really the only reason your team is in every five games. Because the Mets bats do not show up every five days, except for Jacob DeGrom. That leads the team with a fucking 600 batting average. You know, it's ridiculous. Um, So in order for that, you got to know your situation. You got to know that your bats don't show up for you every five days. You got to know that every five days you have to be at your best. Mm-hmm. And as you saw uh, Saturday, you know, he was at his best. Yep. Maybe maybe it did help. Maybe it didn't. You know, you don't know. It's There's a lot of variables that go into play where I understand why I was taken out. I understand why you'd want the ball to keep, you know, to go further. But at the end of the day, it, it worked out to the point where he didn't get hurt. He was able to pitch five days, four or five days later. And he's on schedule to keep pitching and, and on regular rest. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, yeah, no, I, I could agree with you that you could blame uh, Luis Rojas a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I feel like he's been very passive as a manager, and that's just not going to cut it in New York, honestly. Obviously. Uh, he seems like a nice guy and all. and Maybe he has a great baseball mind, but 
you're it's just not going to cut it being you know being passive in uh new york as a manager you're going to need to be aggressive you're going to you're going to need to make those risky moves you're going to need to you know push push your stars push you know and uh very clearly he has not done that so I can't say that I'm the biggest fan of, of Luis Rojas right now. How can you be? Uh, you can't be right now at yeah. this point. You can't. And he's used the same three relievers or four. Oh I guess, my God, it's killing me every game. Well, that well that I'm goes back to me. you know that that goes to show how much they're missing Seth Lugo right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like Miguel Castro, like oh, I see this guy, I'm like I thought he was a skeleton. He's got, like he's he's, he's, he's got he's a live on. He's thin. Like hit. Like I feel oh, like his, yeah. I feel like his hat. Like it'll blow. Like there's a little <laughs> gust of wind. His hat'll blow off right off his head. But, He's what one sixty soaking wet. I, I, I would think so. Pretty maybe, close. but I mean he hasn't been bad. And and to be honest with you, like the Mets bullpen hasn't been horrible besides Edwin Diaz yesterday. Um, so let's get to yesterday, Saturday, as mm-hmm. this will come out on Monday. Jake pitches an absolute gem yesterday. Eight innings, fourteen strikeouts. Now second in Mets history with ten, uh, ten plus more strikeouts a game or 10 strikeout, double-digit strikeouts a game next to the great Tom Seaver. But God forbid Jacob DeGrom makes one mistake giving up that home run to Jazz Chisholm. God forbid he's human. And then he's got to sit and pay for it and sit and watch that pathetic three-hit performance by this anemic Mets offense. Two-hit. We're not going to count it. He's on. He's we're on a different level. We're not, gonna, we're not gonna let them get get his hit towards <laughs> All right. them. All right. The fact that he literally That's has fair. a infield fucking hit. That's fair. He can't hit the ball That's in the infield. That is fair. And then and then on top of that, he's got to watch Edwin Diaz piss away any opportunity they would have had at a comeback. But yeah. and like I was talking, I was telling this to Max. Like it's amazing to me that at 32 years old, his velocity is only going up. Like the Mets are just. That puts it all in a nutshell right there. Wait, they're yeah. wasting everything that Jacob DeGrom has right now. And again, well, it's five, we're five games in this season. I'm not going to try and overreact, but how could you not when it's the same crap year in, year out? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys heard on the broadcast. Gary Cohen was, was saying about how someone talked, or Ron Darling talked to Felix Fernandez at, going into his age 33 season mm. with X amount of innings pitch or whatever it was. And then he, you know, Parents is Degrom. Degrom had, I think, seven years less wear and tear on his arm mm. than Felix did at that time. I think that was the, what it was. So yeah, Degrom, alone, Degrom didn't pitch. Degrom didn't pitch in college until his junior year, and right. like I mean, he came in relief a little bit in his sophomore year, but he wasn't a full time pitcher until his junior year of college, and then he ended up getting Tommy John. So he didn't really pitch a full season of baseball until like. 2012, I think it was 2013. So he came up in 2014 in a spot start. Yeah, he became the at, greatest on the planet at 26 years old. You know, he started late. He started pitching late in general. So it, you know, it all it all helped his cause for his arms uh, life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the wear and tear on a pitcher's arm is absurd, Billy. I know you <laughs> can't speak to that. Labor gang. Um, but no, yeah, it's. It's crazy to think that it's only going up, and and it's going up kind of at a crazy rate too. Like you don't see pitchers increase by two miles an hour every single year, every year. Yeah, I yeah. mean last year was what ninety eight two, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Now this year he's at like ninety nine three or ninety nine one or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think it was ninety nine six, but either either way, it's a fucking absurd. Right? 
Like I like I'm watching like I'm watching the game yesterday alongside the Yankee game. And every other pitch, every every time I turn my head, Jake's going 100, 101, 100. I'm like, I'm like, this is he's dotting this too. He's, he's I know, one hundred. Yeah. I know. And Max, mm-hmm. you mentioned the you know the whole strike zone thing with the um with the umpire. You wanna you wanna like get yeah. into that a little bit because that when you showed me that that's like I'm not a big like, I'm not as in detail as you guys are because obviously your baseball podcast you do that kind of thing, but like that really showed me where where the game needs to go. Yeah, so uh, this is a great Twitter account called at Ump Scorecards where they kind of grade every umpire, every home plate umpire every night. It they there's a, like a little report card. Um, they grade you on overall consistency, overall accuracy. They get, they, there's a, a metric where it, whose favor you, the, the calls were in, um, and then it tells you outside zone, inside zone, and then it gives you the worst missed calls based on run expectancy. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty in depth. It's cool to look at. It also gives you an established strike zone and then the actual strike zone. So Brian O'Nora was behind the plate for the ground's first start in Philly and then Saturday against Miami, um, which is kind of weird that you get the whole, home, same home plate umpire for yeah. two straight yeah. starts yeah. for the season. Um, it's interesting just to have the same umpire and crew for two straight seasons. Yeah. Yeah, they were mentioning that. And, you know. Conspiracy theory Philly, maybe against Jacob LeGrand? <laughs> you think? <laughs> Maybe. All right. He called a he called a much better game yesterday um, yes. on Saturday. And but Billy, you and I remember we were talking mm-hmm. Monday night about how god awful he was. Yeah. And Nick, I think I might have texted you too. Yeah. yeah. Abysmal. It it just wasn't consistent. It wasn't you know. Somehow though, his overall consistency from um scorecards was ninety seven percent on Monday. Bullshit. Mm. Anyway. Yeah, ninety ninety seven percent. No, no. Yeah, so <laughs> maybe that's a, maybe that's an average. It can't be though. No, it says the average doing... is ninety six. Yeah, no. <laughs> Go on. It doesn't work. But it's the, the expected. Uh, sorry, the, the established strike zone from Brian O'Nora was like a fucking trapezoid kind of thing on Monday, and it included the high strike and all that stuff. Saturday didn't touch the top. I guess third of the zone. Mm-hmm. As a strike call, didn't I mean he still called the inside strike to righties, uh, which I guess he sees that as a strike no matter what. At least is a little consistent. That's it. That's interesting to me too because that home that pitch that the home run that Chaz Chisholm hit on Saturday, that was a, that was high in the zone, was it not? Yeah, yeah. So if he don't, if he doesn't swing at that or you know or whatever the case might be, we could play if fans or butts all all day. But he don't swing at that. That's a ball. That's that changes the whole entire game right there. Changes yep. the whole yep. damn thing. Yeah, I, I, when you sent me that, that was interesting. And then, of course, you know, after the game, I'm getting your sad, your sad Snapchats that you're gonna end it because Jacob, because Jake gets no help. And this is yeah, all we should. I, I said, I said to you before we started, we should be used to it, but it, it just hurts every time. I understand, but I mean, what we could. It, talk, that's we, the thirty third time. <laughs> yeah. What is his his record? Is like it's what thirty six and forty two when Jake starts or something like that. Uh, oh, Nick, oh. I have so many. Jacob DeGrom stats that so, are making it's just bad. It's something, it's something, it's something, al- it's something so, along those since lines. Since 20, since 2018, they're 36 and 42 when he starts. Oh my God. That's and his ERA is like a two point something than that. that. 2.06. How do you guys not oh, drink? Six, yeah. Max, I know you drink a lot. How do you not drink more than you already do? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's tough. It See, really is. My, my biggest problem with it, with the, uh, with the whole hitting thing, mm-hmm. though, yeah, is 
Luis Rojas has yet to change the lineup. He did for Sunday's game. He did for today, yes. That's why that's why I said it because it just came up on my phone. Ah, yeah, just I'm with you. Me. And we can that's a great transition, Billy. It's like you're it's like you're reading on my computer right now. <laughs> Max, you can start drinking more because now we're gonna talk about offense and how horrible it's been these first five games. I'll read I'll you probably got you probably you guys probably know this already, but six for forty one with runners in the scoring position, forty five men left on base. Billy's closing his eyes, he's like, Oh, Please stop ah, telling yeah. me this. <laughs> Guys, same story. It's the same story. It it's the same it's the same narrative that we've been that we've been used to talking about. And who would have thought too that their best hitter right now is Brandon Nimmo, who fans were so ready to want to replace with uh now I'm not saying you guys. I was gonna say, let me stop you there. Bill, Billy Billy called it at the beginning of the year. He said Nimmo's gonna have a big year. Five games in, Billy, you you look good. <laughs> Billy's had better calls, I will admit. Uh, about what two years ago? Yeah, twenty nineteen. I had a crazy year. Got everything right. Wait, World wait. Series. But most Met fans were so ready to be like, "All right, Nimmo, you're out. George Springer, here we come." That didn't work out that way, and now Nimmo's kind of making them making other Met fans eat their words, kind of deal. But other than other than Nimmo, big bats have not showed up. Especially Max. I hate to say this, but especially Michael Conforto. Like I know, and I just sent you something. You did. Um, that I saw last night, and it's sad because Conforto has what three hits on the year? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, and I just sent you uh, most Mets hits in Jacob Degrom starts this year. Conforto has two. And I need I need to ask this question too: the whole elbow thing, sticking his elbow out, douche move or smart move? Take it, Billy. Take it. Just take it. Little of both. <laughs> I'm with you. In my opinion, I'm with you. Uh. You know, a win is a win, and you know, I, I was I was going across. Uh, I'm not really fond of Twitter, so I don't really go on Twitter all that much. But I was going across Twitter. I wish I wasn't fond. And of I saw, <laughs> uh, I saw a few people say. Uh, well, I saw this this one tweet that that stuck out to me, mm-hmm. and I think I sent it to Max. I don't remember, but uh, he said the Mets have been on the bad side of dozens of calls over the over the over the years that I'll let this one slide. We'll take this one. This is a win. A win is a win. You know, Michael Conforto knows that he's not hitting well right now. Mm -hmm. He knows that. And he, if he thought he was able to get away with it and he ended up did getting away with it, you know, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. A win is a win at the end of the day. All right. I'm kind of, I'm kind of with you there. I, I can agree with you there. Yeah. Max. Even even Conforto said it's not how he wanted to win a game. You know, he'd rather use his bat, and, and you get that. Um, you also look at it as he he might have been looking something else, maybe uh, maybe slider or whatever, whatever maybe it was a fastball, whatever he was looking, and it fooled him completely, and kind of just kind of got like a hitch in the swing or something like that. Yeah. It could have happened. Anything. I don't even think it hit him. In all honesty, it grazed it him. him. You could say it grazed it him. Yeah, you can see the deflection. Well, I'm blind as shit, so that's why. I wouldn't. Call, um, I wouldn't call it a direct hit. I'd call it a graze. No, it was it was def- it was deflected at be- yeah. It was a graze, yeah. deflect a tiny, a slight deflection. Mm-hmm. You well, see his elbow guard move right. down. Oh, okay. Really yeah. Yeah. Either, like, either way, you know, it's literally the slightest bit. I wouldn't put him in the category of 2017 Houston Astros because a lot of people oh, no. came out saying, "Yo, holy shit, we're not this going is that. cheap." We're not going that far. No, I I saw some people saying that. It was it was borderline that bad, and I'm like, come on, people, really? 
So that's but that's the difference between read, reading Twitter exactly. and not reading Twitter. That's the difference right there. Right. Exactly. Right. I, I saw a couple, only a couple people, uh, not smart people, but no. It's it's at one of those Clearly. things. Where we're not talking that that level of, of cheating. No. Yeah, it, it was a cheap win. But you're also looking at an NL East division where, you know, all these teams are going to beat the shit out of each other. Mm-hmm. You may not even hit 90 wins. You'll be a 95-1 team yeah. on paper. So you'll need every single cheap win you can get. And at the end of the day, that's what baseball's about, getting wins however you can. That's about, yeah. I, I, I kind of agree. I kind of see both, I see both sides there. Even though you, kind of, you guys kind of agree, you guys kind of have two separate uh, outlooks on it a little bit. But outside of that whole incident, Conforto hasn't done anything. Hasn't done a damn thing. Like, at least, like, Jeff McNeil, who's batting a hot 77 right now, has, like, put the ball in the seats and, you know, and is... His only hit of the year. Yeah, his only hit of the year, basically. Exactly. But only, like, the only thing Conforto has done is strike out. Like, and and it's kind of hard not to think that this contract stuff may be, like, wearing on him a little bit. Like, you have to ask the question, like... Do you think it can be distracting now because a deal didn't get done during the offseason? There wasn't that hard deadline like there was with Lindor. So Lin- so Conforto and his camp were totally okay with this going into the season. So do you guys think that this contract, you know, stuff has anything to do with how bad he's starting out the season? Maybe. I don't want to say yes because Lindor's been struggling too when he got his contract. Yeah. Uh, granted, he's facing a division with significantly better pitching than he's used to. Sure. Uh, but I mean, he also hasn't faced that kind of pitching yet. But mm-hmm. uh, it's it's interesting to, to think that that could weigh on him. I don't think so. I think it's more maybe because he, did, you know, and I don't want to blame blame this on COVID, but he did have COVID coming into camp, got a late start to camp as well. So you know, there are so many different factors that could play into it. Mm-hmm. At least in my mind. And also, could just be you know, he's it's the start of the year, you know, trying to find your rhythm, ten day layoff, all that stuff. There's so many factors that could go into it. And, you know, I don't think it's just the contract situation. I think it may be a small part of it, but I don't think it's it's a big factor. But it does play a factor. Yeah, a small factor. I think. I think at least. Right. Billy, what do you think? Yeah, I I, I could see that where the uh, contract talks have uh, definitely played a role. Um. Mentally, of course. And I mean, his biggest thing is uh, for me just watching it and they mentioned it on opening day, how he was uh, or the Mets opening day, I should say that, uh, you know, he had been dropping his back shoulder. And if you watch him on every swing, he's just rearing down and fucking trying to launch it. Right. That's not happening. He's getting under it. He's popping up. He's striking out. He's just not making contact. 90% mental, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. If he fixes, uh, if he fixes the mechanics, you know, that's that's the main part. But he just has not looked good. And I do think that uh I do think that the contracts could the contract talks could have a potential uh, you know, stake in this because you know, you look at him compared to Lindor. Lindor might not be getting the results, but he's putting the ball in play mm-hmm. and he's still, you know, he's still energetic. He's still, you know, and maybe that's just Lindor. He you laid know, the, he laid down a nice first... bunt. I forget what I forget what game it was, but he laid oh, down a nice bunt. Yeah, yesterday. Got on base. Yeah, it was yesterday. 
So that so that kind of speaks for itself. Like he's making it. He is making a slight impact. It's just not how everybody would think five games into the season. So right. and, also, and defensively too. It's I'll just yeah. say. Oh, for sure. His defense is just like, I, dude, I'm just like, oh, yes. yes. Every single time the ball goes to shortstop, I'm just, I'm so happy. See, I wish I had that feeling I get with so Labor excited. I wish I had that feeling with Glaber Torres. I don't right now, though. I really don't. Me too. <laughs> but I don't. I feel bad for Glaber. We, we got to get, we got to get our, our guy Chris Mack on your show, Nick. Oh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Scott and I are crazy. That would be. Scott, like, I like, it's just, I'm not going to get it. I can't get into it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not gonna, that would be it. something. Yeah, it would. It would. I think we'd agree. I think we'd agree on a lot of things. I I don't know how he feels about Stanton, but I've had it with Stan. I've had it with Stan for the past <laughs> two or three years, but that's here near nor here nor there. But um talking about other guys too, like Alonzo, he's struggled a little bit. He's hitting, you know, second in total strikeouts behind Conforto. It's not really I mean, that's what you get with Pete. He's gonna strike out a lot. I get that, but uh also Jonathan VR, he stinks. Like guy like he he is horrendous, guys. Like and he has to play. Batches haven't been good. It's though. the yeah right, but it's even worse that he's got to play third base now because JD Davis on the IL. Of course, there's an injury in all of this somewhere, but yep. yeah. So he's on the ten day IL for a bit. And Dom Smith too. You know, we talked about this first game of the year. I don't understand. Again, going back to Luis Rojas, I don't understand. I mean, I kind of do because Pilar's defense is good, but is Dom Smith's defense that bad? Where you don't, where you can't put him in the opening day lineup, especially with that bat, I don't understand that either. Pilar did make a nice play in center field in that first game. I get it, but I don't see how we can still go about seeing Dom Smith on the bench. I mean, he's been playing now. He's played the last four games, so that's fine. Maybe Luis Rojas has finally realized how valuable Dom Smith is. But that's another that's another red flag for me about uh. Luis Rojas in game one with that Pilar decision over Dom Smith, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't know if you are. Yeah. Uh, I'm with you. You know, Pilar, yeah, he made, you know, he had the great relay in center field on that uh, Reese Hoskins. uh, Nuke. Yeah. Yeah, nuke. Kind of (laughs) nuke. I don't know. It was was a weird. It was a very weird play. Uh, He made a great play on it, you know, uh, played it off the wall wall very well or whatever. And, but I'm with you 100%. How don't you have Dom Smith in your starting lineup on opening day? I mean, kid just eats, eats, sleeps too. Breaking balls. <laughs> he just eats breaking balls. Yes, he sleeps too. Yeah. Uh, he has like the, I think he has the highest average against breaking balls in the MLB I heard that last too. year. I did and hear that. What, was it 2019 too? I don't remember what it was. Yeah, yeah, I, I know it was 2019. I, it might it might have been over the past two years. He's the highest average against breaking balls. Like, you know, even if it's a fastball pitcher, which who who pitched against uh, the Mets on Monday? Who was that again? Matt, Matt Moore. Matt Moore. That's right. He's a lefty. That's really the reason why. It's because it was a lefty. Yeah. But it's Matt Moore. I mean, this this was his <laughs> his this is comeback from Japan for you know for Pete's sake. Come on. <laughs> Why is Dom not in the lineup? That's right. come on. It's just ridiculous. I, and I have a lot more confidence in Dom's, uh, you know, defense it's not than bad. I did. I don't. I don't think he's prior. ever given it's us. Not a, bad. He's never given us a reason to you know, be like he can't defend. Like you can't put him out there. Yeah. No. You know, the Mets have had uh, quite a few times where they were uh, putting guys in the outfield who weren't who weren't outfielders. You know, Daniel Murphy made his debut in, in 08, and he's playing left field. 
Lucas Duda was playing right field and left field mm-hmm. when he came up. He was a first baseman. Same mm-hmm. thing as Dom Smith. Yep. And, you know, Duda, you know, he looked bad out there. He did not look good. He was not a good good defensive outfielder. He had a nice arm, but he just was not a good defensive outfielder. Huh? But Dom, Dom can actually track a ball, you know? And he's got a he's got a decent arm. He's got a nice arm for a left field, a decent arm for a left fielder. I think they also have have given Dallas with the ability, the 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 benefit of time. You know, they they said from what two years ago, three years ago, you're you're going to become a left fielder now. We're going to work slowly with you to make. And they had pieces that they could insert into the outfield while he's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the things that they didn't have with Murphy with Duda was major league talent plug in there when he was struggling because those teams that, that Murphy and Duda were on, they, they were no, there was not much major league talent. Oh, eight team didn't have. Oh, major it was different. Oh wait, oh, wait, it was different. Oh, it was different. You're right. Oh, it was, that different. was Murphy. Murphy came up. Yeah, that was Murphy. You're right. Murphy. Yeah. But I mean, it came least. up in 2010. That 2010 team wasn't what it wasn't a bad team. They won 79 games. That's true. Right under 500. They just had a couple of bad months. It's just a, it's just a problem with me. Like, all Met fans were most Met fans. I don't want to say all. We're like Pilar, really. Like, how is Dom Smith not on this line? Because you know what you're getting with both guys. But mm-hmm. my my biggest thing is, like I said, you're really gonna take Pilar's defense sometimes over Dom Smith's bat. Like, it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't think Dom yeah. Smith's that bad of a defensive player where you can't play him. Instead, you're gonna play Pilar, not get anything from the plate, but maybe get a good defensive play once a game mm-hmm. from him. I mean. When you see the, the Pilar thing, you think it's going to be a defensive replacement late in games like the Mets have been doing lately. Yeah. Most teams, actually. Um, we haven't seen Al Mora yet. We don't know. Maybe maybe his back. Yes, we have. Nice no, play. Uh, in a start? No. Very limited, I'm saying, though. Yeah. He's he's not, really, he's, yeah. How many starts do you think he's going to get? Come on. Well, how many starts is Pilar going to get? That's, my, that's what a I'm saying. A lot more like, than Al Mora. Maybe that's the problem. You never know. Nah. There's there's a ton of depth in this team. My biggest problem with Kevin Pilar is how, how Gary Cohen says his name, Pilar. I know. Pilar, pisses me off every Pilar, time. Pilar and Vilar. I heard that the other day, too. Yeah. It pisses me off. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I had to get that in there. Keith, well, you, well, you Keith, also have a thing against Keith. Keith Hernandez, which I don't understand either. But... <laughs> you know oh, what? You, you want, do you want me to bring up the picture? <laughs> I would love Yeah, please. Go for it. <laughs> So okay, so I'll tell I'll tell the story, and I guess I'll tell about Jacob later too. Um, I don't basically, I love Keith Hernandez. I don't. I can't understand. Oh, he's a fucking asshole. Um, <laughs> so basically, okay. So I was at I went to the Silicon Store what two years ago in 2019 to get a get a bottle of booze because you know nuts. Um, yeah, over over two years I, ago now. Yeah, and we, I saw we it both like, went. We went well, together. Well, well, hang on, hang on, hang on. I'm gonna tell the full story. I saw there's a signing. Keith Hernandez is doing a signing. Uh, later in the day. So I text Billy, I go, hey, you want to go get an autograph Keith Hernandez something? He's like, okay, sure, I guess. It was kind of rainy. We were trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> we ended up going. Didn't realize I had to buy a bottle of bourbon. Nice. That's the way to go. Buy a bottle of bourbon for Keith Hernandez to sign. So I'm thinking, you know, all right, maybe I'll ask him a question or put my phone down on the table to, to you know, question for the podcast, make, make it a little guest appearance there. Yeah. So I asked I ask him a question. I asked him, uh, <clears throat> bottom of the ninth, two outs, any Met in history up at the plate except for yourself, who would you want up? Do you remember what he said, Billy? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you say, come on. 
He said, I don't answer baseball questions when I'm not working. No way. Meanwhile, there's a Mets employee not even 15 feet away. Wow. Dick he said, Dick uh, I don't know. I don't answer baseball questions when, when I'm not working. Oh, so it's like, not like he said, oh, hey, I'm not going to answer your stupid ass question. No, no, no. no. He, he pretty much did. He kind of gave me a look like, are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah kind of. Uh, Matt Max was so ashamed he deleted the recording right away. No, sadly. no, 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 I didn't. Other, otherwise, otherwise, <laughs> that would be featured every week on a on take a pitch because that was the greatest encounter I've ever heard in my life. That made me die laughing. Oh man, maybe it's it just was, you. Yeah. Matt. maybe it's just you. Maybe it's how you ask it is, the question. In the, so, so we, you know, you got to take a picture of it. <laughs> In the picture with me, he's not happy. You can tell he's not happy. In the picture with Billy, he's smiling. Oh, geez. it is you. You can tell he does not like me. It's okay. I've had beef with him. I have beef with him. I've had beef with Todd Frazier. You oh, know, they don't like me. I get it. Right. It happens. Beef with Todd How many people Frazier? do like me? Oh man! Wow, you're not well liked around these parts. I guess. Wow. Jeez. <laughs> Maybe he's going to hiding yeah. instead of being on the podcast. He, he's got, he's got beef with, not, not only that, he's got beef with Take a Pitch on the Power Play. Yeah, really. <laughs> All the podcasts What's on the network. On, yeah, yeah, hang on. Hang on. I'm, I'm going to do a little uh, cross promotion while, while, while firing a shot here. I was going to let you anyway, but go ahead. At, at Matt Fisher. Oh, jeez. Come on, Take a Pitch. Let's talk this out, buddy. Mets Phillies this week. Let, let's talk it out in the series. Let it be on. Why don't you talk it out before the series and then after the series? One for each. Yeah, you want to have mom tonight? I'll see. I can, we can see what's going on with that. Oh, boy. Stay tuned for no, that. No, we can just record, record you and him for a ha- for like a half hour. We'll see. We'll see. I, lo- I love Fisher. I, I love him. But, you know, that kid is such a homer for the Phillies. It's ridiculous. You got a nice ballpark. I'll give it to that. I'll give it that. Never, have nice. you been? It's a nice yeah, looking ballpark. Never Ch- been. Chickies and Pete's. Very good. Highly recommend. Highly recommend. It was actually a Mets Phillies game went to. I think the Mets. Yeah. Game. I don't oh, remember. Yeah. It was two years ago, maybe. I don't remember. Um, well, whatever. Also, what was... the Mets dominated the Phillies. Yeah, I think so. I it was a lot. I think extra inning game too. I don't really remember. I can't really recall at the moment. But I'll let you guys. I'll I'll get back to you guys on that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean overall, this you only muster up three runs in two games against guys like uh, you know this Marlins series like Nick Nider and who was making his first career start. First of all, and then Trevor Rogers, yep. who we were talking about before we started, Max, who has good stuff, but the Mets probably made him look better than he actually is. The, the Mets have this innate ability to make Triple A pitchers look like Cy Young candidates right. on a regular basis. Right, and then and then going back to the Phillies series too. Like I, I listened to your your you know your previews for all the divisions and stuff like that. The Phillies are not supposed to be a great bullpen, if not if not one of the really bad ones. So you expect the Mets in that situation to attack that bullpen, even though they're going up against Aaron yeah. Nola. And then, but but other than that too, you expect them to get some. Expect this team on paper, you know, before we started the season, to start getting some runs against a below-average Phillies bullpen. But now losing two of the th- two uh, two out of three to the Phillies, and then going into this rubber game today against the Marlins. Safe to say, it's not the ideal start for you guys. But the offense is the reason, in my opinion. The bullpen hasn't. Blown it. Besides, you know, Edwin Diaz just adding to the pain well, yesterday. You mean, you mean Castro and May have blown it? Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Because that's the bullpen. Um, but the offense is the main reason for this two and three start right now. Again, we're not going to overreact. We're five games into the season, but you know, 
New York sports it's, fans, we tend to do that, and we're going to do that, so it's <laughs> fine. But offense is the reason why they're 2-3 and three right now. So, like, where are you guys at with everything? You're not so panicked. Again, we're five games in, but, again, it's the Mets, as Max would say. Really, where's the console meter at? <laughs> <laughs> For me, at zero. No. You're not panicked? I'm not panicked. No, 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 no. Why would I be panicked? Like like Nick just said, it's five games into the season, man. This team has just this weird aura around their hitting that they can never always figure it out. But once they get clicking, that's when it's go time and every team should be scared because this pitching staff has just shown, you know, you know, uh, DeGrom, look, uh, DeGrom's DeGrom. Let's just skip him. Stroman. First time pitching in almost two years, in a year and a half. Mm-hmm. You look great. Yep. You look fantastic against a Phillies lineup that was blazing hot. Mm-hmm. Um, David Peterson could have done better. We'll skip him. He's, he's young. Hard to tell. He also only had one bad start last year, and it was against the Phillies. So, might just be his uh, his Achilles heel. And, we, and just had, Walker. we had higher expectations for Peterson, too, coming into this year, too. So it, It's yes. not even that he's bad. He's got good stuff. He does. It, it, oh, he's know, got good stuff. Again, you look. You take into account the ten-day layoff and all this other stuff that could have. Nah, he's starting. He's the, he, the back he, end of that rotation. That that back end of the rotation, they de- they definitely had thrown uh, bullpens, whereas Jake did not throw a bullpen because they were That's traveling. True. But Billy, so you were going to mention different. you were going to mention Taiwan Walker. So go ahead. Taiwan Walker, he, he was very good, dude. He blew me away. Mm-hmm. Like his stuff. If like if this is what he's going to be doing, you know, love it. Yeah. Absolutely love it. That's he's what a, you want out of your fourth, fifth starter, right there. Uh, you know, yeah. that's what you need. Oh yeah. And then, and then, yeah, what's, and then, then, what do you think too about um, Lucchese and uh, Lucchese? Yamamoto? Or Yamamoto's down at the ultimate site, right? He's not up with the big yeah. team yet. Yeah. I think Yamamoto. I'm uh, not Yamamoto. I think Lucchese is actually scheduled to start one of the, one of the games against the Phillies, I believe. I think the 13, he, he definitely 14. has to. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a four game series, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is. <laughs> So that's what they're but, going into. Luke Hate. Mm-hmm. They're he looks good in relief too. That's the that's the situation too. That's why they need yeah. to start hitting right now because this four game series against the Phillies, they're facing Nola mm-hmm. and Zach Wheeler. Pretty good, as you know. So, so uh, my 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 thing with the uh, with the hitting, I I think I said this to Max yesterday, is that. They all seem to be taking these gigantic hacks, swinging at, as hard as they can, swinging out of their swinging out of their cleats. Yep, daddy hacks. They're yeah, they're all taking daddy hacks. McNeil's dude. hack was a daddy hack, though. That was it was, that was and that hack. you know Oof. he had Bat the outcome. Was fantastic. Got, Max would have been happy to get yeah. in the face by that. Oh one. man, bat flip of the year <laughs> on his yeah. birthday too. Yeah. Yep. Um, but I feel like if they were all to just relax, calm down. Shoot the ball the other way, shoot a line drive. They would just be so much more successful. They just they're all in their own heads, like you know, oh, we're Depressing. down. Like now, yeah. you know, I know I could hit a home run here, so let me try and hit a home. No, stop, stop, hit a single, walk. I don't care. Do not pop out, do not strike out, do not hit a ground ball, do not hit a double play. Hit the ball, hit a line drive, walk. You know, you're you're in a slump. You go the other way, like Lindor yesterday. I remember when I used to play back in the day when I when I used to actually hit competitively, and I would be in a slump. My coach would tell me to bunt because when you're bunting, you're over the zone, so you can see the ball better. So you're going to start picking up the ball better. Mm-hmm. 
And I remember I was like, don't believe you, but okay. I went and I did it. My next at bat, I got, I get up to hit again and I hit, I launched a double, you know? So for me, that worked. Maybe that's going to work for Lindor. Maybe he's going to break out today. We don't know. But do you think they just need to calm down? Do you think the high expectations have anything to do with the slow start? Go ahead, Max. Always will. Billy, Billy and I religiously say this. If the Mets have high expectations, they go 72 and 90. It oh, it always has something to do with it. And and it's it bothers me. You know, you know that this is the this is the team that will go 92 and 70 or 72 and 90. We we've said this numerous times. Um Hey, 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 those are all another team. It's true, but it's true. The Mets re- religiously would do this to you. High expectations, underachieve. You know where I'm going to place the blame a little bit? The Wilpons still own 5% of the team. <laughs> I, said, I said it the other day. That's mad. That's mad. I said it the other day. Another conspiracy theory for you. It is. <laughs> and they own SNY still. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. All right, so I'm glad you guys aren't like completely panicking like other people are. You guys are like, well, Max, I know on the inside you kind of are a little bit because you're just, you're it's you. Because you, at the end of the day, you know it's there. You know that yeah. that flip can, that switch can be flipped at any given moment. So why hasn't it flipped yet? Because we're five. The amount of in. talent on this team is beyond absurd. Something has to click outside of Jacob DeGrom. Billy, did you have a point? Go ahead, Billy. You raised your hand. Go ahead. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, don't agree with Max right there, really. They what 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 was your point? Just sum it up again quickly, Max. I want I want to get back to my thoughts. I'm not I'm not I'm not panicking. Mm-hmm. But I know that that they they should be doing right, a right, lot right, better. Right, right, yeah. Okay. Right. And we were talking about how this team is going to be very different going forward because of the new ownership of Steve Cohen, and very clearly have seen that so far. It's been a very different aura, even in the ballpark alone. And, you know, that's great to see. But, you know, this if it was the same old Mets, same old Mets, which I keep hearing, right? The same old Mets always got off to hot, 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 hot starts. 11 and 1, what year was that? Always, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mick, 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 yep. <laughs> like, <laughs> fuck that guy. Uh, <laughs> say it louder. No, say it how louder. Ma- Go ahead. <laughs> oh, fuck that guy. That's right. <laughs> he he's a scumbag. He was a horrible manager, Mr. Team Player. Anyway, fuck him. We, uh, love, we love our players. <laughs> <laughs> players wise, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <bad>, Billy. Sorry. <laughs> so, so, um, you know, yeah, like they have always gotten off to these hot starts, these blazing hot starts. Why is it now that they're not, you know, it could, it could just be, you know, the expectations getting in their head, but it's not the same old Mets because same old Mets are always a crazy good start out of April. They're always hot out of, out of spring training. Could it be that they lost the games last weekend? Could be, that could play a factor, but then you'd imagine, you know, maybe they're a little more rested or maybe they're not as loose. Who knows? Um, There's so many factors. I'm not panicked at all. Um, you know, and this team, we, we have to remember that they have money still. A lot. Like Steve it's Cohen so weird has to think about that. said he's willing to lose a lot of money over the first five years. So, you know, in season, tran- uh, transactions, acquisitions, 
are going to happen. You know, we have to fully expect that the Mets will be a playoff team come, you know, the deadline in uh, July. And they have the money. They have, you know, I know Steve uh, is not fond of letting go of prospects, but they have the money. They have the, you know, the resources. They, they are going to be buying at the deadline. And, uh, you know, there's no, there's just no reason to panic yet. We have the best pitcher in the world. Our pitching staff has looked phenomenal so far besides one hiccup. And, uh, you know, just get that lineup roaring. You know, Nimmo has looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, Guaranteed on base. Guaranteed. Guaranteed on base. I mean, he's, he's raking the ball when it's in the zone, when it's at, when it's not even, when it's not, Dude, he, he sees when it's like this much outside, and he's like, yeah, it's a ball. I mean, swing. you know he's Billy Bean's favorite he's player, insane. right? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's and he's looked, pretty, he's looked pretty good defensively, too, right? Yeah. Yep. He hasn't done anything wrong. He's impressed he me. He hasn't done anything. And he's taking the ball you... the other way, too. He's not pulling too much. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, hitting, he's seeing the spraying. ball in. He's spraying it. Yeah. Nimmo's that kind what? of player where he's just grit. When you, when you think of yes. Brandon, you think grit. Like he, like he, Dude, I, he kind of reminds me of Gardner, like when Gardner was young. Even though, even probably Nemo's probably like when Yankee fans wanted Gardner to play. Listen, I, I didn't want Gardner to come back, but you know, <laughs> we're not gonna get into that. I saw, and I have probably. to, I have to mention this. I read something, Joel Sherman, New York Post, the Yankees. Oh, story trade, for uh, Glaber for Torrey. Glaber or whatever it was. Pay I mean, it wouldn't work. Joel Sherman, pay attention. We know. Do we not Stupid. remember that Trevor Story is going to be a free agent next year? Pay attention. Read the room, buddy. Up, what four Pay four years attention. of labor for the not even a full season now Story. of Trevor Story? Exactly. Read Stupid. the room. Read the room. It's no. You you wait till the deadline. You get prospects for him. You're fine. Yeah, but you know, Glaber is a concern for me. But that's a story for another time. Ah, I think, guys. Move him to second base. Moom second base, his offense will be even better. Guaranteed. So? Yeah, but then what do you do with LeMahieu for the next five years? Play him at first. First, third. Switch him around, flip him around. Well, that's something you guys can talk uh, about on take per, a pitch today. Per, per, personally, just, just to touch on the Yankees mm-hmm. quickly, because yeah. I know you're a big Yankee fan, Nick. I think that the Yankees, within, within the next 365 days, a little bit less, they have to get rid of either Luke Voigt or Gio Urshela. Obviously, you're going to pick Gio Obviously. over Luke Voigt. Obviously. Um, <laughs> a lefty in Yankee Stadium? No, you're going to keep him. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's how, you keep, that's how you keep Luke Voigt. He's a lefty in Yankee Stadium. He's not a lefty, bro. He's not? I thought he was. No, he's not. No. Sure, he might look like Luke. Lucas Duda, but he's not Lucas Duda. <laughs> like Lucas Duda. Uh, way, he he's much matches. better. No. You, you got to keep, in my opinion, you got to keep Luke Voigt. You know, he's found something special in New York. Mm-hmm. And you move, then you move Glaber over to second base. You move DJ over to third. And then you plug in Trevor Story at shortstop. My biggest problem is that he's a righty. Don't really mind it. I know I saw that the Yankees are going after uh, Corey Seager in the offseason aggressively. This is this next offseason. Didn't even hear that. Yeah, I saw uh, it was on MLB Network. Uh, mm. And, and, an anonymous uh, MLB exec mm. said that the Yankees, guys, <laughs> yeah. that the Yankees will be going after Corey Seager, 
which would, it would fit nicely, but he's a third baseman in a couple of years, so it doesn't make sense. So they're already kind of looking to switch Glaber at second or, or you know, do something like that. Right. Makes sense. I think I think Glaber would explode at second base personally. I mean, he did play well. He did play well at second when he when he did play there. But I'm interested that you'd yep. rather that – I mean, the Yankees have a lot of bats to begin with. So I'm kind of interested you went in the way of Luke Voigt rather than the defensive upside of Gio Rochella. I'm, inter- I'm kind of interested in that. Just because I don't trust Judge and Stanton to not be hurt. Don't trust their health. Whereas Luke Voigt, you know, he played you know, last year. Look, you know, he was one of the, he was probably the best hitter in the American League last year. Mm-hmm. And he was injured all year. Yeah. Yep. So that, you know, that proved, that proved enough to me to, to say that he, you know, he's legit. You know, he had a great 2019 too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Billy and Max. Thank you for coming on, guys. Thank you. Bro. You guys are welcome no matter anytime you want. We'll have you a lot on during baseball season. Sounds good to me. Sounds great. Plug the stuff. Go ahead. Max, I'll let you do that because you do that so well. All right. right now. So we got, uh, obviously, Billy and I host Take a Pitch. Uh, definitely check that out if you like all all baseball, all the time. Uh, I do a podcast myself called The Cut. Still need to find a guest for that for this week. Yeah, what happened? Um, I was looking forward to a new episode. Nothing. I, I slacked this week. I had a rough week. That happens. I'm still working. I got some things in the works, though. Um, then we got On the Power Play with Matt, Adam, and Brian. Those fucking clowns. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna have a big show this week. Trade deadline coming up. Yeah. Uh, we got From the Tips with Brian and Rick. They've got some big stuff coming. They're doing a lot. Mashes weekend. They're going to recap that. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. All right. www.southsideprod.com. And get it all there. All right, guys. Very good. Well, thank you guys for coming on again. And uh, Nick. of course, we'll talk soon. We'll talk soon. Yes. All right. All right. So when we come back on the Tri-State Sports Beat, we will talk a little bit, a little bit more on that Sam Darnold trade. Carol, Max, what's your quick thought on that, pal? Just real quick. Just real quick. Just real quick. You know, I'm as, I don't know. I don't have real thoughts because I liked Sam. I hated Sam. I don't trust Zach Wilson. I like his potential. I'm all over the place. All right. Well, I know that. We all know that, but give us something new. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk Jets when we come back. You're listening to Tri-State Sports, but you don't go anywhere. We'll be back. So you want to share, have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you. So give us a call on the new 24-7 Tri-State Sports Beat fan line. Call our new toll-free number at 862-260-4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri-State Sports Beat. Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. The Tri-State Sports Beat has partnered up with Southside Productions to bring the podcast to the next level. Southside Productions features an already impressive yet small roster of podcasts, including everyone's third favorite baseball podcast, Take a Pitch. Us, along with everyone else at Southside Productions, are working hard to bring the best sports media content to you, the listener. So do us a favor and check us out at www.southsideprod.com. That's southsideprod.com. And follow us on all major social media platforms. And now, back to the show. All right, so we may or may not be getting an appearance from Joe. I know. Yeah, I just saw that. <laughs> anyway, we'll go back to the Tri-State Sports Beat, everybody. That was our baseball talk. Let's get into the logistics of this Sam Darnold trade. Obviously, if you didn't listen to our 
uh, instant reaction to when the trade dropped from a couple uh, from probably last week now. Then go listen to that on Instagram and all that good stuff. So we had a little fiery reaction to that. So now that we've had a, at least a week to digest what has happened, you know, the impact of this Darnold trade is just is franchise changing, to say the least, for the Jets. And going forward, this gamble that Joe Douglas is taking, tying himself to whoever the rookie quarterback is going to be, whether it's Justin Fields, whether it's Zach Wilson, whoever. We want it to be Zach Wilson. We've made that very well known. And we, we, hope, that, we hope that that's the case. But since the trade dropped, people want to talk about the haul that the Jets could have gotten for the number two overall pick. And it's obvious that Joe Douglas was just never interested in trading that pick. Like the, the Niners got the, you know, got the package that they did, you know, for trading up for number three. You know, if the Jets were interested in trading number two, they would have taken those three first round picks that San Francisco was willing to give up. Like people just don't get it. Like, I just don't understand. Like, but the thing is, like, when you're looking to draft a quarterback, right, if you love a certain quarterback in this draft and you're in a position to get one and you think, which I think is what the thought process here of Joe Douglas is that if you have a quarterback that you think is better than Sam Darnold from day one and you love this kid, whoever it is, you don't play around and mess with that and trade down and hopefully you still get the guy that you like, whoever it is. But the, for the Jets, this was never a situation for me where you can trade down and still get the guy that you love. Like, for me, if you're picking a quarterback and you like him, pick him wherever you are. If you're a number, if, if, I hate when people say you're reaching for a quarterback. Like, okay, the, did the Giants maybe reach for Daniel Jones at number six in, in, a couple years ago? It did seem that way. But bottom line is, Dave Gettleman loved Daniel Jones. So if you love a guy, you take him. So this is the exact situation the Jets are in. The, the, the narrative that the Jets were ever interested in trading number two is ridiculous to me, to be honest. And also, it doesn't really matter what kind of football team you have if you don't have a quarterback. Correct. Like, and, you know, just looking – we've said this – I've said this many times. Just looking f- into the future – a.k.a. next year for quarterbacks, doesn't look like a great class right now. Like, there, there's so many good quarterbacks in this class, it, it might even be better than the one that we took Sam in with Baker and Josh Allen and Lamar and obviously Sam. Not even going to put Josh Rosen in there because he freaking uh, – what a bust he was. But, like, you have Trevor, Zach Wilson, Fields, you know, people are high on Mac Jones now thinking he's going to go third overall. You have Trey Lance, who people think could be, may even be the best quarterback in this, in this class. If he actually had game tape that, you know, they could look at or more game tape against opponents other than FCS teams. But like, again, if you think you have a franchise quarterback that you can draft it to like that discussion that they could, what kind of haul they could have gotten, like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah. And sure, like, they could have easily flipped number two into multiple ones and fran- and change your franchise that way. But you still have to hit on the picks. Exactly. Exactly. You, well, obviously, you still have to hit on the quarterback. But, yeah, like, exactly. But my, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly my point, though. If you trade, if no matter if you trade the pick and that's franchise changing your multiple ones that you get, so could drafting a quarterback. 
So could drafting the quarterback that you want. That could be franchise-changing as well. It's a risk no matter how you play it. You pick a quarterback at two, you gamble your job with that kid. Or you trade down and pick multiple one and get multiple first-round picks in the future, and you gamble your job on drafting multiple players to build around whoever your quarterback was going to be. It's a risk no matter how you play it. So, and for the Jets, individually, you can't just keep trading for picks. Like, they need to finally establish players. I'm starting to feel like to sound like Joe, but it's the truth. The Jets have traded picks away, and they've got, they now have what? Is it 21 or 22 picks in the next two drafts, including this one coming up? But they need players now. Round one picks. Number one picks that the Jets have had from 2013 to 2018 now with Sam are gone. They're not on the roster anymore. How ridiculous is that? That just shows you how bad the Jets have been drafting, and that goes even beyond, what, 2013 to 2018. That goes even beyond that, even before that. So now for Joe Douglas, you got to pick players and build like you envision. He's been pounding it into the fans' ears, building through the draft, and we'll get the right free agents in here. You know, we've wanted Zach Wilson. We'll support Zach Wilson if that's the guy that, the, that Joe Douglas is going to draft. But... Whoever the quarterback is, whoever it is, Joe Douglas better be sure that he's the guy. Everyone. And ev- and everyone else that, you know, he's the right pick. He better be sure. And if he's not, he's gone in a couple years. And we start all over again. But, you know, we're not scouts. We don't watch these, you know, we don't watch these, you know, college quarterbacks religiously. We like what we see from Zach Wilson, and we're not going to pretend like you know we're draft analysts and all that. We do mock drafts for fun, but we like what we see from Zach Wilson. We don't necessarily love what we see from Justin Fields, but we do. Do we know if any of these guys are going to be good quarterbacks? No. Do any? Does any of these GMs really know? Does anybody really know? No. This is a gamble you take. Really think about it. Do you think Mel Kiper actually knows? whether Zach Wilson's going to be a good quarterback or not. Do you think Chris Sims actually knows if Zach Wilson's going to be a good quarterback or not? Be real. It all de- we, we know this. We, we know this narrative all too well. It all depends what situation you're, you're drafted into. Yeah, I mean, this, this pick is going to define what Joe Douglas is as an NFL GM. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, we're going to have to give it two or three years. But, you know, Joe Douglas is putting his reputation uh, and his – I guess just legacy, of, legacy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His legacy of an NFL GM on the line with this pick. Like, obviously you didn't trade away a sure thing. Like we all think Sam could be a good quarterback in a different situation. That's the key word. Could, could be, could. Well, also Sam thinks that he's proven that he can win in this, in this league, which, you know, uh, that gave me a little chuckle, <laughs> but, um, listen again, Joe Douglas, this pick is going to define him. Obviously, he hit on last year's first-round pick. Mekhi Becton looks like he could be an all-pro left tackle in the years to come. Can he make it two for two? Let, let's hope. Has to. He has to. And then what else, what else I came away from when Joe Douglas spoke to the media the day after Sam was traded? You know, I feel like com- you know financial commitment played a bigger factor than we probably originally thought. Like, we knew that... The Jets were going to put themselves in a hole if they kept Sam because then they would have kind of been forced to pick up that fifth-year option. 
because, you know, if they didn't like a quarterback in the draft next year, which in all likelihood they didn't. But Joe Douglas did say that if he had a lower, if the Jets had a lower pick than number two, they would have kept Sam. And to be honest with you, with how much we like Zach Wilson, I would probably agree to that. If, if it started coming down to Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Mac Jones, whoever else, then I, you know what? Yeah, I would say, you know what? Maybe Sam, maybe we give Sam another shot. Maybe we take that gamble. Because who knows if Justin Fields, like probably, you know, again, we don't watch a lot of college, but if Justin, we, we probably think Justin Fields and Mac Jones are better than the quarterbacks that are coming out next year. Sam Howell and whoever else, the, the kid from USC, Kevon Slovis. Yes, Slovis. We, we probably think that they're better. We would think that they're going to be better pros than those guys coming out next year. But to also, like, Joe Douglas has mentioned the, which a phrase that the Jets fans should coin, it's called resetting the clock because we've said that for months now that that's what the Jets need to do. And Joe Douglas mm-hmm. said it himself. This gives us the financial opportunity to reset the clock. And he's, he mentioned that multiple times. So that, in my opinion, tells you everything that you that we need to know as fans. He simply just could not commit quarterback-type money, $19 million for one year, to Sam Darnold because you don't know what the guy who what the guy is. And I was reading one of uh, Rich Samini's from ESPN's uh, articles when Sam was traded, and this was this stood out to me immediately. The Jets would have owned owed Sam $29 million over the next two years if they were to pick up his fifth-year option, if they picked it up. Rather than if you draft a rookie quarterback and that contract is worth about four to five years around $35 million over four to five years. So you're essentially paying Sam for two years for $29 million rather than a quarter a rookie quarterback on a rookie contract four years for $35 million over four years. So that, to me, goes all back to timing. All back to the timing of where the Jets are and where Sam Darnold is in his point in his career. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean... I was surprised the Panthers picked. Well, I guess they kind of had to, but yeah. the Panthers picked up his fifth-year option like right away. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't waste any time. Um, and again, this proves that Sam isn't a, a proven commodity because the Panthers are still debating on taking a quarterback at eight. Like, which I think is ridiculous, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I think the only is. thing you could understand is maybe taking like Trey Lance and backing him up behind Sam like Sam's a mentor. I don't understand that. I don't understand that because why do you give up okay, a 6 round yeah. pick whatever. Why do you give up a future 2 and a future 4 for just to draft a quarterback at 8? Like like I don't know. Does that scream like open quarterback competition? Maybe. Young quarterback and Sam and and what and what's going to happen to Teddy Bridgewater? Is he just I mean, you know, I think I think he's out the door. Yeah. I don't think they're going to keep him. Yeah. He'd be perfect for the Jets as a backup. Come on back. <laughs> he would be. Yeah. Because the Jets do need a backup quarterback now. I mean, James Morgan's yeah. not it. They brought in uh, Brian Hoya. Mm. He didn't sign, though, Which... right? As far as I know, he didn't no, sign. No, no, no. They brought him in for, like, a meeting or yeah. whatever. But, but uh, that, that Carolina situation doesn't make sense. If they're still looking to draft a quarterback at eight, why do you trade for Sam? I don't know. Listen, the perfect backup quarterback for the Jets, Connor Hughes brought this up, Alex Smith. That's what I thought, too. That's what I thought too. Perfect would be perfect. perfect. Like, so, but do you think if you draft, if you sign a guy like Alex Smith, do you think you start him week one and then eventually gives you the option? Like maybe Zach Wilson isn't you know progressing as you would like. 
you don't want to throw him into the fire right away. I mean, if you draft a quarterback number two overall, most likely you're going to, he's going to be your week one starter, mm-hmm. but you know, Alex Smith would be a pretty good backup considering um, what he did in Washington this past year. And granted Alex Smith would want to, would want to come to the jets and um, you know, take on that backup role mm-hmm. because he, he probably still thinks he can start in this league. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's an opportunity in Denver that he could go start or, you know, I'm not really, I don't really know of any other places where they're looking for a quarterback right now. I think Carolina was kind of like that last one apart from Denver. Um, but, you know, I think Alex Smith would be a perfect backup for Zach Wilson. Um, you know, high pick who didn't really, you know, pan out in the beginning. Um, you know, then obviously when he, uh, they brought in Harbaugh in San Francisco and everything changed for him. Um, You know, then he had success in Kansas city. Like, you know, he's been through adversity. He knows how, what it's like being a top pick in this league. And, you know, he's still a good quarterback. Like he was great for the, for the Niners before, you know, they switched to Kaepernick. And then obviously he was really good for Kansas city. And again, he mentored Patrick Mahomes for a year. He must know what he's doing. (laughs) He must know what he's doing. Like obviously that comes with coaching like Andy Reid and, um, Eric Bieniemy obviously know how to develop a quarterback as well, but like it, it makes so much sense. And obviously, like I said, Alex Smith would would have to want to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you'd absolutely. want to have to be in New York. You'd want to, you know. But I don't know if he's ever really been in a Shanahan offense. I think he was. He wasn't. Obviously, Shanahan wasn't there when he was in San Francisco. So, well, I think his prototype of quarterback kind of fits that. Like you saw Matt Ryan, yeah. like Matt Ryan's success with with um with Lafleur in the Super Bowl with the Atlanta Falcons, and uh some and even examples before that too. But um but going back to this financial commitment that Joe Douglas would have had to make, like not only like drafting a quarterback, not only do now you, the Jets think they're getting an upgrade at the quarterback position over Sam, but now they have now they can be more flexible with money going forward. Absolutely, like that was the biggest thing too. You're not going to pay a guy who is still an unknown $25 million with a fifth year option. Right. It just like if you sense. have a better, if you have an option that you think is obviously better than Sam mm-hmm. and which they obviously think, res- which they obviously think that, right now. Yeah. And obviously, like we said, reset the clock. It's a no brainer. Like it would have been so dumb. And Joe Douglas said this in his press conference. It, it just would not have been the right move for either quarterback to have Sam as the backup and bring in a rookie. It just wouldn't have been good for anyone. Yeah, and that that avoids all future problems. Now that Sam's gone, that av- that avoids all future problems. And now the Jets can finally, like, wipe a clean slate and move on from Sam, and Sam can do the same thing in Carolina. Like, keeping Sam and drafting a quarterback should have never been an option. Like, that should have no. never been on the table, in my opinion. The, the the unneeded quarterback controversy, and I'm you know ultimately I'm glad Joe Douglas and Sala and everybody in that building realized that that was just not a good idea, because if we had to sit here for the month of you know June, July, and August counting snaps, you know according to the the media members we follow from the Jets counting snaps of Zach Wilson and Justin or Justin Fields or whoever to Sam Darnold, I was gonna go crazy. Didn't want to have to do that. But it's a good thing we don't have to. Yeah, maybe that would have worked in somewhere other than New York, but in yeah. New York that just would have been a like we've seen it that, so many times yeah. before. Like we know that this doesn't sentence. it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't work here. But no. and then, and then you know again, it all goes back to money. You don't have to commit to a guy financially if you don't that you, that you don't truly believe in. 
And and that's that's what it came down to. Joe Douglas did not fully believe in Sam Darnold, so he wasn't going to commit financially to him. So that and that's the future problem they they get rid of too. And and now ultimately from moving on, Joe, JD gets his guy. A new era of Jet football can begin. No more of these McCagnin and Gase guys and Gase and Douglas guys. That you know Joe Douglas has his has his whole prints on this football team now. When he drafts that quarterback number two overall. This is the Joe Douglas era now. This is when the clock begins and the and that and Joe Douglas tying himself to this quarterback is going to determine his career like we like we said before. Now, the pressure and all the eyes of the Jets fans and the NFL all on Joe Douglas now. There's no more protecting Joe Douglas. Oh, he made a, you know, he he did a quality over quantity or he did quantity over quality with free agents and whatnot. They didn't spend money. There's no more protecting Joe Douglas anymore. Oh, this draft pick, you know, he can be he might be good, he might not be good. Let's give him a chance. Well, no. We'll do that with a rookie quarterback, obviously, but there's no more protecting Joe Douglas now like we have in the past. These are his guys now, and if they fail, he's on his ass and he's putting his ass on the line once he turns in the draft card on draft night in like sixteen or seventeen days from now. Can't wait! Can't wait! I wish it was just here already. Should we order the headbands yet, or do you think it's do you think it's too early still? I feel like we should. You feel like we should. See, you know like there. You, you know I don't want to. I don't want to speak this into existence. But there are two quarterbacks who wear headbands in the draft. Well, then you know we cover <laughs> our ass on both scenarios. Just hopefully we draft one of the one of those guys that has a headband. Otherwise, we look stupid. Listen, <laughs> if we take freaking Mac Jones or. Uh, Trey Lance, I think, oh, Jets fans might actually riot. Uh, yeah. Won't be good. Won't <laughs> will be not. Good. Will not be good. A couple weeks from now, pal, the Jets will have. When are we going to do our mock? Uh, The week of the draft, probably. <laughs> oh, maybe if you guys come up that weekend, we can do it in person. That would be fantastic. I will bring the equipment and the booze. We need uh, Joe to get a mic first. Yeah. So, so Joe, we should tell Joe to purchase a mic now. Gotta get on that, Joe. That this will that that would be the first podcast we do all three of us in quite some time. We've never done one with the board. No, we have not in person. We have not. We've done a couple of, like you and me, but we have not. Um, Joe's gotta get headphones. Joe's gotta get headphones too, so he can hear this. Your mother's ass. <laughs> Well, I mean, I have an extra pair that he could use that work with the board. Oh, but he needs to get the little jack thingy. All right. Fucking donkey! Uh, <laughs> that's what I'm going to say if the Jets don't draft Zach Wilson. That'll be me. That'll be me. All right, well, I think that's all we got. Special thanks to Billy and Mac hopping on and talking Mets uh, with us for a couple minutes. Uh, of course, I'll plug the uh, productions company, Southside Productions, SouthsidePROD.com. Uh, check out all the other podcasts. Take a pitch, of course. Billy and Max's podcast. Us, of course. You're listening. You're obviously a fan of the podcast. Uh, on the Power Play, the Hockey Podcast, the Cut, the Interview Podcast, and from the Tips. Scott, did you happen? Did you happen to see the video, the cameo that uh, from the Tips got on their, uh, oh, their the, Instagram page? The, the guy uh, Shooter, Shooter McGavin. McGavin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. I did see that. Very nice. Very good. That's a good shooter. Good shooter. Yeah, very good shooter. So, of course, check out all the podcasts on the network. And, of course, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TSSB Pod. You guys know where to find us. And that's all we got. So we will see you guys next week on the Tri-State Sports Beat. Namaste and keep listening to the Tri-State Sports Beat. Goodbye.
magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. And your pictures on my wall. Every Saturday, rap attack, Mr. Magic Molly Mall. Hello, Brooklyn. I love your corners. I'm happy so. 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 